Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 1, 11 through 31. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Paulus, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent, eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we've preached to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Good morning. We are taking the Christmas season off from studying Romans, and we're taking a little time out to study the gift that you have by knowing God the Father. And trying to teach on God the Father in eight weeks is impossible, but we're going to touch on the top of the iceberg here as we try to go through this. Today, we're going to talk about God being all wisdom. God being all wisdom. If you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 16 and verse 25, we'll begin discussing what is the wisdom of God. Remember the attributes that he has, this was one of those attributes where God has a perfect attribute of wisdom and we think we have an understanding of what wisdom is. So we're going to try to figure that out. But Romans chapter 16, verse 25, gives us an interesting view of wisdom. 
Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel uh, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret long past, but now is manifest, and by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandments of the eternal God, has made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the, what's this? Only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. God has a wisdom that is unique to himself. He has a wisdom which may not be exactly what we think of as wisdom. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 21 talks about, You thought that I was like you, speaking of God, that sometimes we think God is like us. And our wisdom sometimes is not that wise. But today what we're going to try to look at is how God is completely only wise. The Greek term, the adjective, is found 20 times in the New Testament. We could go to any of those passages. The Greek term, noun, is found 51 times. So we have a 71 options, passages to pick from. But I picked one, and I didn't get further than that. So we're going to stop in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Wisdom is the use of knowledge in a practical and successful way. Now, sometimes when we try to be wise, we don't end up very practical or successful in our attempts to do something. But God, being all-knowing, is able to take His knowledge and then apply that knowledge in a wise way to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. For instance, if you, were, uh, if you had all the uh, necessary equipment you would need to build a house, that would be knowledge. You would know what you need. But wisdom would be able to take the tools and actually make a house. And God's knowledge is perfect, and God's wisdom is perfect. So God knows exactly what He needs, and knows exactly how to apply that to accomplish his goal. And that's the perspective we're going to look at today. We're going to look at it from God's point of view. No part of God's work is lacking his perfect wisdom. Now, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 18, and we're going to go quickly through this chapter, as quickly as I can go through this chapter, trying to hit the high points, talking about God's wisdom and how it's different than our wisdom, but how we get to understand His wisdom by a very important event. Let's start with it. Verse 18. For the word of the cross. Stop there. The word of the cross. The wisdom of God is directly connected to the word of the cross. You cannot have wisdom without the cross. You cannot have the cross without wisdom. It is the pinnacle of what God did to create and explain to us what wisdom is. He used the cross to explain the wisdom. So let's go first off. What is wisdom? 
the wisdom of God. And how does the wisdom of God divide the world? First thing you need to know is that wisdom of God is directly connected to the cross of Jesus Christ. Or you might want to say the gospel message. The gospel message. So wisdom is directly attached to the gospel message. Notice what it says. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. This wisdom will divide you. It will divide the world. There will be part of the world that will look at the cross one way, and there will be another part of the world that will look at the cross differently. They will make a decision based upon what the gospel message is and make a determination about the wisdom of God. So, what are the ways to look at the wisdom of God? First off, to a non-believer, his opinion of the cross is foolishness. He says, God, you're not that wise. You did something that was foolish. Something we can laugh at. Something we can make fun of. The word of the cross, the wisdom of God is directly connected to the plan of salvation and is the first thing he talks about in the letter to Corinth. Remember the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth. If you went to visit the Bible church in Corinth, you would leave quickly. They had more problems than any other church that we know of. They had all kinds of sin in their church. They had all kinds of problems. They had all kinds of... They didn't even take the Lord's Supper correctly. People were dying taking the Lord's Supper. It was a mess. And Paul finds out about it, and he writes his first letter to correct the problems. And he starts with the thing to bring them unity. The cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ. The non-believer will look at the cross and determine it to be foolish. Their idea, a non-believer's idea of what wisdom is, is not the same thing that God says wisdom is. There's a disagreement. Uh, by the way, the word foolishness there, <laughs> it comes from the root, root word that we get the word moron from. <laughs> Basically, what's going on is that non-believers who look at the cross and laugh at the cross, laugh at the gospel message, say that God's a moron. When God is not a moron. You remember Peter? First time he heard the gospel message? You remember this? In Matthew 16, first time Peter heard the gospel message, Jesus... Verse, verse 21, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Peter is getting a preview of what the gospel message is. He's getting a preview of what the cross is going to be. He's getting a word of the cross from 
the Messiah, should change his life. What's Peter do? Peter took Jesus Christ aside and began to rebuke Jesus Christ and said, God forbid it, Lord. Peter thinks about this, about Jesus going to Jerusalem and being put on a cross and dying, and he says, no way. Peter says, I'm wiser than that. That's a silly plan. He says, forgive me, he says, Jesus, you're being moronic to do such a thing. You don't know what you're doing. Verse 23, then Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Listen to this. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's interests. In other words, Peter, you're thinking in the wisdom of the world rather than thinking in the wisdom of God. And if you're not thinking in the wisdom of God, you're thinking like Satan. God's idea of salvation is perishing to the foolish person who says the cross is a moronic thing for God to do. Man's wisdom doesn't look at the cross the same way that a believer does. Does not look at the cross the same way God looks at the cross. You are perishing. The verb there, present tense, passive, because you are in the daily process of perishing. If you think the cross is foolish... Verse 18, but to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How does the wisdom of God divide the world, the cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel message? Second, well, that's first. Fool, no, that's second, power of God, there we go. To the believer, it's the power of God. It is the way to get power. It is the way to have power. If you don't have the cross, you don't see the wisdom of God on the cross, you don't see the wisdom of the gospel message, you don't see wisdom in the power of God changing a life, you're missing the point. And you're thinking in man's wisdom, you're thinking like Satan. The believer, though, it's the power of God. Being saved, present tense, you're showing the process of salvation every day. Present deliverance from spiritual evil. A daily approaching final salvation when you get to heaven. The power of God. The message of salvation is dynamite. But with wisdom comes the power of God. God powerfully changes lives. He changes lives. A non-believer whose friends he would go drinking with was making fun of him and tried to shake his faith because he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. One guy taunted him and says, how can you be a sensible man like you believe in miracles, like Jesus turning water into wine? The man, the new believer's response was, backed up 
He said, whether you believe that Jesus turned water into wine or not, I know that in my home he has turned a beer into furniture. He's changed the man's life. Changed the man's life. And God does that. It has power. It changes lives. The gospel message changes lives. His life was drinking beforehand, and afterwards he had enough money to buy furniture for his house. The gospel message is powerful. It changes people. Let's go on. Next question, starting in verse 19. I want to start with nine reasons why God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world. Nine reasons why God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world. Now, I started as this in 1 Corinthians, and I was expecting to go to several passages, but I never got out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, so we'll just keep on going. Verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Here we have nine reasons how God's wisdom is better. First one, God's wisdom will last all eternity, will last all eternity. God's deliverance of Israel comes through a plan that seems weak. This goes back to Isaiah, and Isaiah's problem with Israel was that they were trying to have a problem with the Assyrians coming down. They took over north Israel, and they were coming into southern Israel, into Judah, and they were surrounding Jerusalem, and they decided wisely, the king did, that he'd go to Egypt and make a treaty with Egypt, and that through Egypt backing southern Israel, that they'd be protected from the Assyrians. A wise thing to do. But God said, no, that's not the wise thing to do. The wise thing is to trust me. And that's what they did. They trusted Egypt rather than trusting God. God delivered them, but he writes this to him and says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. God's deliverance of Israel came through a plan that they thought was too weak. They thought God's plan would be better with Egypt. But God's plan was to take care of them himself. Here in the context, what Paul is talking about is that the cross of Jesus Christ is not weak. The cross of Jesus Christ is what will save you, what will change you, what will display to you the power of God will be the cross. The wisdom of God is seen in the cross. In times of trouble, the Israelites, who Isaiah talks about, relied upon their own wisdom instead of God's wisdom. Jeremiah 8, verse 9 says, The wise men are put to shame. They are dismayed and caught. Behold, they have rejected the word of God. And what kind of wisdom do they have? You can't reject the word of God and still say you have wisdom. You can't reject the cross and say you have wisdom. You will not have wisdom. God is wise. Verse 20. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
What are nine reasons why God, God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world? Second, God's wisdom will solve all problems. God's wisdom will solve all problems. God makes foolish human wisdom. Human wisdom has not solved problems. <laughs> Example number one, look at the newspaper. Look at the crime we have. Look at the evil we have. We can't even solve murder. We can't solve any problems with our wisdom that we have today. We think foolishly. And our human wisdom is not as powerful as God's wisdom. God's wisdom solves all problems. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, every problem you have gets solved. God demonstrates the folly of human wisdom in Christ. Human wisdom that would never lead anyone to think that God should allow His Son to be crucified. Human wisdom cannot see the gospel message as wise because human wisdom is part of the problem. Salvation does not come through human wisdom, but comes from God. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. What are nine reasons why God's wisdom is better? Here we go. Third one. God's wisdom will lead to the knowledge of God. God's wisdom will lead to the knowledge of God. Through its wisdom, all human wisdom does not lead to the knowledge of God. You don't know how to do things unless you look at God's example. His solution to all problems is in the cross, the gospel message. God does not expect people to come to Him in their own wisdom. The wisdom of man cannot appreciate the plan of God. You get... Wisdom by understanding what God does through the cross. And from that you have the solution. You have an example of what wisdom is. God, God's wisdom gets you to know God through the cross. One of the benefits is you enter into a relationship of abiding with Christ and you know God. <laughs> you're no longer called a slave. You're called a son. You're no longer just a son. You're a firstborn son. You receive knowledge through the word of God of who God is. Fourth, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. Fourth, God's wisdom will save those who believe. God's message shows its power through making you into a believer. Your message pleases God to give you a foolish message, some determined by men and their wisdom, to give you the solution to every problem. God was deliberately and with pleasure laid out the way which men, people, can be saved. God planned through people that He would be saved and by the means which would be a saved would be achieved. He had the knowledge and He had the wisdom to believe 
you would believe, present tense, you daily believe, you daily trust the work of Jesus Christ for your salvation. And the communion table means something to you. It means salvation. Deliberately turning away from human wisdom and wholehearted commitment to the effective plan of God for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Fifth. For indeed, the Jews ask for a sign, and the Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jew, a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, foolishness. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. Five. God's wisdom will point to the death of Jesus Christ. Will point to the death of Jesus Christ. God's wisdom is that His Son would go to the cross for you. God's plan is that He would go to the cross so you would be saved. The one great sign that the Jews needed was Christ going to the cross. The one piece of wisdom they needed to see, the Gentiles needed to see, was Christ going to the cross. The great sign was to be found and appeared to be folly to them and to be no sign at all, but it was the crucifixion that is the way of salvation. Christ crucified. Perfect tense, I like that. Perfect tense. In other words, it's effective then and it's effective now. It'll always be effective tomorrow. The cross will save you. God's wisdom comes in a gospel message. To a religious person, it's unacceptable. To a quote-unquote wise person, it's unacceptable. There's a professor at Oxford. He said this about the cross of Jesus Christ. He said, quote, The cross of Christ is both repelling and compelling. The professor, I won't even mention his name, the idea that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins is, quote, intellectually contemptible and morally outrageous. In other words, one of the most wisest men around, quote unquote, in human wisdom, says the cross is stupid. God says, it's the pinnacle of showing my wisdom to the world. Which one do you want to trust in? God's wisdom will point to the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Nine reasons why God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world. Number six. God's wisdom will point to the power of God. Point to the power of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ actually shows the power of God and shows the wisdom of God. They are called. Again, the first step starts with God. The calling, the effective calling of God. And that calling, when it hits you, shows you and gives you and bestows upon you power and wisdom. They saw with new eyes and understand the gospel crucified Christ was the power of God to rescue them from the dominion of sin and divine judgment. You'll be a child of God. 
The calling of God is a display of God's wisdom. God's wisdom is seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What are nine reasons why God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world? Number seven, God's wisdom will prove to be more power than the wisdom of the world. God's wisdom will prove to be more power than the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of God cannot be compared to the wisdom of the world. It's two different things. It's as far as opposite as you can be. The wisdom of God, if he could be foolish, would be wiser than any wisdom we come up with. You know, I tried to think of something I did foolish. I couldn't think of anything. So I asked my wife, and I couldn't get her to stop. But the, the thing she reminded me of was when I bought a vehicle. I thought this vehicle was going to be the end-all vehicles. It would house all the kids I wanted to have, and all the grandkids I wanted to have. It would house everybody in this vehicle. And I'm driving down the road, and screws start falling out of the ceiling. The brakes froze so bad that it melted the plastic hubcaps. It was the essential lemon. We had more problems with that. I spent more time in the shop than in my garage the first year I had it. It was a piece of junk. But in my wisdom, I said, that's the best car to buy for me. Stupid. Now, if God could do something stupid, which is impossible, but if he could, his foolishness would be wiser than anything we can come up with. The wisest thing he could do is to send his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And on that cross, his power is shown so that he can make dead things alive. That's amazing. And every problem in the world is solved through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. God's wisdom will point to the power of God. The foolishness. Verse 25. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Stronger than men. Stronger than the wisdom of the world. People cannot rescue themselves from the bondages of sin. But God rescues you at the cross. Human wisdom is unable to pay for the wages of sin. But God does at the cross. Verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that not many of you are wise according to the flesh, not many of you are mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world that the despised God chose. And the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. I want you to just notice something in that verse. Those are verses. Consider your calling. God has chosen. God has chosen. 
God has chosen. Three times. God has chosen. What are nine reasons why God's wisdom is better than the wisdom of the world? Number eight. God's wisdom will be given to those who are called by God. God's wisdom will be given to those called by God. If you are called, if you have the effective call of God through the gospel message, through the work on the cross, if you have that calling, you will be powerful. And the chosen there is talking about election. God chose, God chose, God chose. That's invisible to us. But the effective call can be seen. Because then we respond to the gospel message. We respond to the work of the cross. And we say, yes, Lord, help us. And God's work is made effective by the working of the cross. You are saved by the working of the cross. God works. You're calling. God takes the first step. God's effectual calling. The calling is exalting the wisdom of God. Verse 29 so that no man may boast before God, but by His doing, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it's written, let, no, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What are nine reasons why God's wisdom is better in the world? What are we on? Nine. Nine. God's wisdom will forever change the believer. Because of the wisdom of God, you will forever be changed. You'll be ever changed. Your boasting will change. Your sin life will change. Your actions will change. Your love will change. Your fruit will change. You will be changed. You are in Christ Jesus. I like that. You are in Christ Jesus. You have nothing to boast about. It all comes from Christ. It all comes from being in Christ. If you're in Christ, everything is solved for you. Everything is taken care of. If you're in Christ, it's taken care of. God takes care of you. If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, ask me what you get if you're in Christ. Here you go. First off, you get wisdom. You get wisdom. <laughs> your lack of wisdom, your lack of human, your lack of human wisdom, is canceled out and replaced with the wisdom of God, which is the power of God. You receive righteousness. Your believer's sinfulness is replaced by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Believers are or be found in righteousness. Sanctification. A believer's sin nature is replaced by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You are set apart for God. You are special and holy for God. You're pure. Redemption. You've been bought with a price and delivered to freedom. The transfers take place from being against God to being on God's team. You are changed. God changes you. You are unique. You are special. You're a firstborn son of God's kingdom. Woo! Now we took a lot longer on that. And it doesn't leave time to go much anywhere else. But we're going to go somewhere else. Go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. This is the end of the first part of Romans. Now, we're not that far in our study of Romans yet, but the first part ends with these verses. 
And I want you to notice these verses. And I want you to see what happens at the end of this study of theology in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. How does the wisdom of God change the life of a believer? How does the wisdom of God change the life of a believer? I didn't have enough time, so I just gave you a couple words to fill in on the insert. Here you go. I knew I'd be late. What's the wisdom of God do? Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. You can't figure out everything about God. Put it this way. Number one, believers will spend a lifetime learning the wisdom of God. And that's what we do. We will study the Bible. We'll study the wisdom of God. We'll study this work of salvation. We'll study the word of the cross. We'll study everything we can about our salvation. And we still will not know everything about God's wisdom. We'll not know everything about the wisdom of God. A human can't fully understand the riches of God. The wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the judgment of God. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord? We don't know the mind of the Lord, but we get a picture of it through the cross. God's wisdom is greater than ours. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? How does the wisdom of God change the life of the believer? Second, a believer will spend a lifetime studying wisdom and still never improve God's plan. We will study God's work of salvation and will never come up with a better way of salvation. By the way, that's exactly what false teachers do. They try to teach you a different way of salvation. They'll try to work, figure out some works that you have to do to earn your salvation. And God's way is the best way and the only way. God gives us everything we need to do. We'll spend a lifetime studying the wisdom of God and never improve on God's plan. He does not need your advice on how to save people. He doesn't need counselors. He doesn't call you up and ask for help. Verse 35, or who is first given to him that he might be paid back to him again. Mankind cannot take the first step to do something. God is always the cause. Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. How does the wisdom of God change the life of the believer? Third, a believer will spend a lifetime and all eternity praising God for His wisdom. We will praise God for His wisdom, for saving us. By the wisdom of God, all things come from Him. God is the source of everything. By the wisdom of God, all things come through Him. By the wisdom of God, all things come to Him. God is the final goal of everything. God is God. And his wisdom is incredible. Application. How does this apply to us? Will I use God's wisdom and succeed? That's all we do. Is use God's wisdom and succeed. Or will I use my pseudo-wisdom 
and fail. Believers are to succeed. We take the example of God's wisdom and we apply it to our lives. We share the gospel message, don't add anything to it, and we share the wise wisdom that will change people and show God's power. God's wisdom has to do with the salvation of Jesus Christ, through the work of salvation through Christ. God is infinitely wise and we're not. God's wisdom gave God a message and a person, Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, the person of Christ. To add or subtract from the gospel message changes the wisdom of God and makes it human wisdom. We don't want to do that. Pastor said, this is good. Listen up, listen up. Eyes up here. Here we go. This is worth the price of admission. Pastor said, the love of God that wants the best for us, the wisdom of God that knows what is best for us, the power of God can accomplish it. God. Wish it said Pastor David at the end of that. Let me say it again. What God wants, the love of God wants the best for us. The wisdom of God that knows what is best for us. The power of God can accomplish it. And God's got all of them. He loves you. He's wise. And He can do it. He has the power. All you got to do, if you don't know Jesus Christ, accept the message of the cross. Become a believer. If you are a believer, all you got to do is share the message. You wake up tomorrow. One of the reasons you wake up tomorrow is so that you can share the message. That's all you got to do. Don't add things to it. Don't take things away. Don't think things about, oh man, this will be too bad for them to hear. They won't like hearing this. They won't like this part. They don't. Just share it. Share the message. It's a message that tells the love of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. And you will have a great day. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand this week that you are all wise. You are only wise. You are wisdom. You are omni-wisdom. You know everything, and you know how to apply that to our lives. And Father, help us to stop being foolish, thinking that we can do it our way better than you working through us. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us for the times where we did not share the full message of the gospel, where we changed it a little bit because we thought maybe it'd be too insulting or they think it's too foolish or whatever, and we changed your gospel message. I pray, Father, that we'd be bold in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because it's through that message that you show your wisdom and love and power, and it changes people. Changes people. 
that you have chosen and you have called. I pray, Father, you would work through us and in us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.